You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Eddie Bates. What is a deaconess? How does a deaconess serve? We have so much to learn in this hour here on Faith and Family. Thanks for joining me today. And thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, for their great support of Faith and Family. Find out more about them on our website, kfuo.org. Look for CUW in the sponsor section there at, at kfuo.org. Joining me in studio today, students from the Concordia University Chicago Deaconess Program and Deaconess Kristen Waslick. She's the director of the Deaconess Program and uh, Deaconess Program's coordinator, also Master of Arts in Religion, co-chair Department of Theology and Foreign Languages, all at Concordia University, Chicago. I got a few of those right, didn't I, Deaconess Kristen? You did very well, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back. Glad to have yeah. you in studio. Good to be here with you, Andy. And instead of us usually talking on, on phone, it's, it's fun to have you in studio. And you brought along a number of Deaconess students with you today here at the International Center. I'm so excited to meet them and learn more about what's going on with Deaconess students today at Concordia University, Chicago, my alma mater as well. Mm-hmm. well One of the great things about uh, college students is they keep you young, even as you age. <laughs> Well, you're on a, 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 a field trip, a learning experience at the International Center, and um, you've had some other travels in your uh, recent uh, past as well with Concordia Deaconess students and excited to learn about those travels as well. What brings you to the International Center this week? What are you learning about this week? Well, the students have been studying LCMS history and structure, and so it was a good opportunity to at least put some faces to names and understand a little bit about what they're going into in professional church work. But in addition, we're here to talk about uh, our trip to the Dominican Republic in May because the LCMS was very generous in helping to fund that so that the students would be able to see missionaries in action, understand more about mission work, what it's like to actually um, be in and around the homes of the people that they serve there in the Dominican Republic and just blow their minds a little. Mm. And and to see mercy in action uh, through the uh, the servants there in the Dominican Republic. Well, let's meet our Deaconess students visiting us in studio today. Let's start way over here. We've we have a house full of Deaconess students today. There is there is navy blue everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's meet our first student over here. Um, I'm Irene Swift. I am from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I'm a junior in the Deaconess program. Well, welcome, Irene. Who do we have next? I'm Sarah Scungio. I'm from Williamsburg, Virginia, and I'm also a junior in the Deaconess program. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. I'm Elizabeth Kester. I'm from Redbud, Illinois, um, and I'm a sophomore in the program. Welcome, Elizabeth. My name is Sarah McPike. I am from Urbana, Illinois, and I'm a senior in the Deaconess program. Oh, welcome. Glad to have you here today, Sarah. My name is Michelle Hennig. I am a junior, and I am from Springfield, Illinois. Welcome, Michelle. My name is Emily Stoller. I am from Chicago, Illinois, and I'm a sophomore in the program. Welcome, Emily. I'm Abigail Meyer. I am a sophomore in the program, and I am from Akron, Ohio. Welcome, Abigail. Glad to have you all here, ladies. Thanks so much for spending some time during your visit here at the International Center. I'm excited to learn about uh, Deaconess Studies at Concordia Chicago and uh, what you're learning and what led you to consider this program as well. So let's start with that. Uh, Who would like to share what led you, when did you first learn about Deaconesses and what led you to consider this program at Concordia University Chicago? 
All right. So I come from a family of a lot of church workers. My dad's a pastor and my mom's a teacher. Both of my sisters are teachers in for the Lutheran Church. And I always said, I want to be a teacher and I want to go to Concordia, Nebraska. That's where my parents went. And through high school, my voice teacher is actually Katie Shorman, who's also an author. So she's very well known in the Lutheran Church. And I was talking to her throughout all of our lessons. And I was like, I just don't know what I want to do. It's like, I love teaching. I love the faith. I want to work within the church, but I don't know if I want to be in a classroom day in and day out. And she looks at me and she goes, Michelle, you love serving people. She's like, have you ever considered being a deaconess? And all of my churches that my dad has been at have been very small. So we've never had a deaconess. And I looked at her and I was like, what's, what exactly is a deaconess? Cause I'd, I'd heard of them, but I had never been around one. So I'd never seen them in action. So I went home and I was talking to my parents about it. And I was like, my mom was looking it up with me and I was like, that looks like something I would love to do. And that's how I found the Deaconess program. And then I talked to Deaconess Kristen and I applied to Concordia Chicago and that's where God led me. And the rest is history. Yep. <laughs> Very good. So it was through someone else who encouraged you to consider that vocation. Who else has a story about why you chose or what led you to the Deaconess uh, program at Concordia? Well, I actually differ from Michelle significantly because I come from a family of no church workers at all. And um, I was at the National Youth Gathering one year and I'm just flipping through the guidebook and I saw an advertisement for the seminary and deaconess programs. And I go, Pastor, what's a deaconess? (laughs) And he explained it to me and I'm like, wow, that's really something that I could do. And it's just grown since then. So. Very good. So you learned about it at the National Youth Gathering. You just saw uh, information about the seminaries and the programs at the seminaries. And then and then you found out, I gather, after you started learning more about deaconesses, the opportunity to study at Concordia University, Chicago. Yes. Very good. Who else would like to share? Sarah? For me, um, I had a deaconess at my home congregation and... I saw what she was doing and she worked a lot with the youth and I remember I told her uh, that I was going to be a deaconess just like her and I really didn't have too much of an idea but I still could see what she was doing and I wanted to do that and then I got a little sidetracked in high school because I wanted to be a music teacher and I entered Concordia as a music ed major but then um, God had other plans, and um, I decided to join the deaconess program. Very good. So you had you had met a deaconess. You learned about the vocation of deaconess in your very own congregation. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Anyone else want to share what led you to consider the, the deaconess studies program? So I didn't know what a deaconess was until I was 17. Um, I was at my dad's house one day just thinking, And I realized just how important my faith was to me. And I was always planning on being a counselor when I was growing up. And um, I talked to my mom about it. I was telling her what I was thinking. And she said, well, Irene, you could be a deaconess. And I said, okay, mom. And then a couple minutes later, I'm like, hey, mom, what's a deaconess? (laughs) Um, I I had no idea women could serve in an official office in the LCMS. And... Um, I learned more about it. I visited Fort Wayne Seminary and just continued to learn. And the more I learned, the more right it felt for me to go into this vocation. And then I learned about the undergraduate program at Concordia Chicago because my brother originally went there. 
and he told me about it and I looked into it and I applied and got in and that was that. <laughs> the rest is history. What have you enjoyed about uh, Deaconess Studies since you've been in the program? What are some of the, the highlights that, that you've had since you've been in the program? I think some of the biggest highlights is just learning that a deaconess can serve in so many different ways and serve just a large range of people and um, all over the world and doing it all um, through God and with the help of God and bringing God to everyone and um, also getting to learn and study under um, the supervision of Deaconess Kristen. She's been an amazing um, just leader and mentor and professor and um, I just couldn't imagine like going to school anywhere else or studying anything different. How would you, you mentioned the, the mentorship and leadership of Deaconess Kristen. How would you describe the balance between the academically rigorous nature of the program and the very personal connection that you have with your 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 mentor, your professor. Uh, I see people grabbing the mic, eager to talk about that. All right, Michelle? Um, so we are a relatively small program. Um, right now there's 15 of us actually at King Cordy that are in it. So with that, we have a lot of opportunities to grow together as a small group. Um, and we go on retreats every year. And in those retreats, we not only get to see how Deaconess Kristen acts as an actual deaconess, but how she also acts as a motherly figure for us. A lot of times we refer to her as like our home away from home mom. And she te she's taught us cooking skills and outdoor <laughs> skills and just like all the things you wouldn't expect from your professor in college. So she's really taught us a lot of very life applicable things outside of just being a professor. How do you think that shapes you as a future deaconess? How do you think that shapes you as a as a servant, as, as one who serves others? Um, well, pointing back to the servant, that's a really great point because our motto starts out, what is my want? I want to serve. And we see her not only serving us in the classroom, but in our everyday lives too. And she just really inputs everything that she has into us as students and in our home lives outside of just school. Tell me about some of the other deaconesses you've met. Have you had a chance to meet other deaconesses since you've been in the program? Where do you see other deaconesses serving? And what have you learned about this vocation of deaconess as you've seen other deaconesses serving? Who wants to jump at that? Well, we've met many different uh, we met many different deaconesses along our education. We met some when we were in the Dominican uh, serving as missionaries. We, as part of our intro to deaconess ministry class, we interview various deaconesses who serve in different roles in churches, in, there's a deaconess serving in Lutheran church charities. There's deaconesses serving here in the International Center. They're really everywhere and that actually also helps our education because we can see once we're out of school where can, where do we go from here and it's very interesting do you have a particular area where you're hoping you might serve or where you think you might be best suited to serve i really hope to serve just in a congregation one day i'm really family oriented and so i hope to be in a congregation and have that 
constant little church family. Let's see, who do we have over here? We had Elizabeth, right? Wanted to talk about other deaconesses that you've met in the field and that you've observed and what you've learned about their vocation. Yeah, it's really surprising how diverse the the opportunities are for uh, deaconesses. There's people working in prisons and visiting them. There's prison ministry. There's deaconesses working in schools and congregations, um, hospitals, and so many places. And I just did not realize how how much opportunity um, there was for deaconesses to work um, and just to serve the church, to serve God, and to serve others. And that's just really my main want. <laughs> So a variety of settings. How about you? Do you have a desire, a specific area where you think you might uh, be a good fit? Um, I've really been thinking about mission work, um, but honestly, wherever God puts me is uh, is fine with me. I'm just really excited to see where he, what he does with my life. So, The heart of a deaconess. I will serve wherever you send me. <laughs> and wherever deaconess Kristen sends you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about uh, the uh, the trip, the the recent trip that that you went on in May um, to visit the Dominican Republic. Deaconess Kristen, tell us a little bit about what um, you mentioned earlier. Some things that prompted this trip. Tell us about the the preparations. What prompted this trip? What you were, uh, what the goal of the the purpose of the trip was. It's hard to imagine what missionary life is mm. if you've never actually been on a mission field. Because missionaries come back and they talk about their work and it sounds very romantic <laughs> and you get all the best slides and the best stories and things like that. But what is it like to be displaced, be in an unfamiliar place, unfamiliar country, unfamiliar bugs, um, <laughs> you know, the just logistics of transportation, the logistics of, of just coordinating things like getting keys from one missionary to another on different sides of an island you know just all those little things you can't teach that in a classroom you can't explain it so really the origination of this came from the missionaries in the Dominican Republic a couple years ago who said this is be a great place for your students to learn about missionary service about how mercy gets into action and 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 um, just what it might be like. So it was an educational trip, not a servant event trip per se, um, to be able to just be exposed to a developing country, um, a country with a mission field that's just expanding, and also to help the students understand and see and meet the people in the DR who are um, becoming pastors and deaconesses themselves, because that's a main emphasis of our missions there, is is to raise up leaders there and educate them. So it doesn't matter if we mm -hmm. eventually don't have a quote unquote missionary presence down there, they'll have everything that they need uh, for the gospel to grow and for that mercy to happen. Was there a deaconess there as well? serving in the Dominican Republic? There's an, there's several of them. At the time we were down there, Deaconess Donnell Putnam and Gail Ludvigson were the ones um, on site. There's been a lot of transition. There's new people there now. and mm -hmm. um, But we, we got to be on home visits with them and see how the Lord's work and word 
impact the the lives of somebody who we would say according to our standards they don't have anything but yet they have the love of Christ they have this tremendous heart of hospitality the Dominican hospitality is just beautiful we were so welcomed um, we were the students there um, you know and just drinking in the lessons that they had to learn and I know the the women here learned a lot. We got to see things we could never possibly see in the States. We got to go into a, a facility for mental health um, and got to talk with people with mental illnesses. I mean, you can't walk into a United States mental health institution and talk to people, <laughs> much less about the love of Christ. <laughs> so... I take it this was your first visit to the Dominican Republic it as was, well? yes. So you get to learn right alongside your students in Indeed. that sense. Indeed. When, to students, when did you first learn uh, about this opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic? When did Deaconess Kristen break the news to you that uh, there was an opportunity to go to the DR? Abigail? I think she told us sometime first semester of last year, I just remember I was like kind of running around, dancing around, and my friends were making fun of me and imitating me. I get to go to the Dominican Republic. They were like, it was ridiculous. I was so excited. So so you first heard it during the, the fall semester yeah. that uh, in the, the spring semester, near the end of the spring semester, I guess, is when you would be going to the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And what anyone else, what was your response when you first heard about this? Uh, anybody been to the Dominican Republic before? This was the first trip for everyone, first time? to the DR for everyone. Anybody have Spanish speaking skills or other things that uh, that you thought would be helpful in your preparation? Just a little. Just, Just a, little. a little. How do you say that in Spanish? Un poco. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you prepare for this trip? What did you what did you want to learn? Um, what assignments did Deaconess Kristen give you to prepare for your trip to the Domin- Dominican Republic? How did you prepare? Well, she started out by giving us, it was a very short reading, maybe six or eight pages of just information about the the Dominican Republic and what kind of things we would see there. Um, But other than that, a lot of it was a learning experience. And she kind of just told us that we're going to learn as we go. A lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it was expect the unexpected. (laughs) Don't really have any expectations going into it because any expectations you do have will probably be wrong. So (laughs) go with the flow was something we really just going with the flow and just Mm -hmm. being flexible was a huge point that we talked about in our meetings when we were discussing logistics. She also had a spring journal so we could document a lot of the things that happened so we could remember them when we come here and share them with you and all that good stuff. So That was really helpful as well. Who did, uh, tell me about arriving in the Dominican Republic, your your travels there and arriving there. um, What was that like, uh, traveling to the Dominican Republic and and who greeted you first? So traveling down there was no big deal. We had three flights. They were all two hours long-ish. And then we arrived there and we get off the plane and we're a little confused in the airport excuse me, and then we walk outside and I personally wanted to get right back on the plane. It smelled weird. It sounded weird. There were bugs. Everything was in a different language. 
Um, and the first person that greeted us was Bill Lohmeyer, um, Engineer Bill. And um, he greeted us and took us to um, the car that we were traveling in and took us to the place, the seminary that we were staying at. So my first reactions were not great, but um, my end ones were, so... So anybody else, when you first arrived, this is totally different than what I'm used to. How did that make you feel? Did it, was it awkward at first? Elizabeth? Well, when we first got there, it was in complete darkness. So like we were just kind of, I saw what was looked like a highway. And so we were driving on that and you couldn't really see much of the surrounding area. You couldn't see like the housing structures or the plants or anything. And it was really um, in the morning, that first morning that we woke up and we heard um, roosters. <laughs> and, then, and then we looked around, there was so much, so much green everywhere and all the beautiful mountains. And, um, and then realizing how different um, the people lived in the, in the houses that they had, the different types of houses. And it was just it was really I really liked waking up that morning and just like wow I can actually see what it's like whereas the night before it was just kind of like you couldn't see anything tell me more about the people you met in the Dominican Republic as you uh, as you traveled and and met the the other the missionaries there and others in the community tell me about those whom you met in the Dominican Republic Abigail well one of the places we went was Casa Hogar which is a home for teens with disabilities and we got to meet a lot of the kids there and they were really cool really fun um there was a kid named francis and he's deaf and so a lot of us didn't really know any spanish but we could communicate with francis through asl and he was really funny like always picking on us about stuff um irene was wearing a tank top and he's like oh her sleeves are broken and um just silliness and he always wanted it to serve he was always like pulling out chairs and collecting trash and just being such a gentleman so he was a lot of fun you mentioned you could communicate with asl american sign language yes how many of you are uh, conversational in american sign language anybody i am <laughs> irene is so you studied american sign language um i've taken two semesters of it and i'm still continuing to practice it and sort of teach myself very good. And so you think that that's something you may be able to use um, that, that would help you in your service as a deaconess? I would really like to become a certified American Sign Language interpreter and work in a deaf congregation. Kudos to you. Thank you. Very good. So you met uh, so you met um, residents and friends at uh, what it was uh, Casa Hogar. Casa Hogar. Very good. And where did you go from there? What are some other places you visited or others that you met? So we did a lot of home visits along the way with some of the pastors who were the missionaries down there and as well as deaconesses like Deaconess Donnell. Um, and one of the houses we visited in Santiago was just so memorable to me specifically. Her name was Jeanette and she's blind. Um, but you know, every Dominican person was the same in that they all, every time we visited their home, they were just so hospitable. I mean, they put a whole new definition to the term hospitality. They would 
not let anything get in their way as soon as we walked in their house. They would grab every chair, every seat, anything they had for us to sit down and be comfortable. And they just made us feel so welcome and happy. And com- and they would bring out like tall glasses of ice cold, whatever, Coca-Cola or Sprite or some sort of thing. So that we were all refreshed because it's very hot and humid in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> um, and it was just such a warm welcome and it was such a family atmosphere every time and then we read portals of prayer to them and bible verses and prayed with them and they were just smiling the whole time and Jeanette was just I can't I just remember the smile on her face she was just so happy that we were there in her home and I mean no obstacle got in the way of letting us feel welcomed into her home and she just wanted to hear the word of God and learn so much thanks Sarah we need to take a quick break. When we come back from that break, we'll learn more about our Concordia University Chicago Deaconess students on their recent trip to the Dominican Republic. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Concordia University, Wisconsin and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The New York Court of Appeals, the state's top court, unanimously ruled legislation against physician-assisted suicide was constitutional. In Myers v. Snyderman, the court ruled there were legitimate government interests in protecting human life. The judges made a distinction between the right of a patient to refuse life-sustaining treatment and the right of a physician to intentionally help kill the patient. Further, if the plaintiffs didn't like the outcome, the judges suggested they pursue a remedy through the state legislature. It's good to see the New York court follow precedent set by the U.S. Supreme Court 20 years ago. Then, the court unanimously ruled the Constitution provided no fundamental right to assisted suicide. It was the Roe versus Wade of euthanasia. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Three things make a believer. Oratio, meditatio, tentatio. Prayer, meditation, and growth. Which is why every weekday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. we bring you Oratio, an hour of solace, contemplation, scripture, sacred music, and faith. Oratio, the dawn breaks with prayer every morning on Worldwide KFUO. Hi everyone, this is Eric Erkinen inviting you and your golf buddies to participate in Christian Friends of New Americans Golf Tournament. This year the golf benefit will be held Tuesday, October 10th at Norwood Hills Country Club. Funds raised help CFNA welcome refugees and New Americans in the name of Jesus Christ through Bible studies, tutoring, health screenings, ESL classes and scholarships to LCMS schools. Please join us for some great golf while helping support this vital ministry. 
Information can be found at cfna-stl.org slash golf or call 314-517-8513. I'll say again, cfna-stl.org slash golf or call 314-517-8513. Chances are there'll never be an emergency ever again. But just in case, let's talk about a plan. Okay. Who is going to grab the go bag? What's a go bag? It is a bag we do not have that is filled with things we really, really need in an emergency. Guess we won't have to worry about it then. Well, this is great. <laughs> I am so glad that we don't have a plan. I know. Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov kids for tips and information. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Worldwide KFUO is faithful to the Holy Scriptures. Our talk programs, music programs, and worship services focus on the message of salvation through Christ. Generations of families have confidence in KFUO to proclaim a clear, unwavering message of Christ crucified for sins. Faithful, scriptural, Lutheran. We are Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. We are talking with the Deaconess students of Concordia University, Chicago, who uh, this past spring traveled to the Dominican Republic for a learning experience to learn about our missionaries and those whom they serve in the Dominican Republic. Deaconess students study and prepare uh, for that future vocation of deaconess, much emphasis on mercy and service. And that's what we're learning about today. Before we went to break, uh, Sarah shared a story about one individual that she met, and uh, she met Jeanette, and uh, and learned so much about the hospitality of uh, those in the Dominican Republic. Who are others that you met while you were on your trip to the Dominican Republic, Michelle? So while we were there, we got to spend a lot of time with one of the American missionaries, Deaconess Donnell. And she also took us on a lot of home visits. And one of those that really resonated with me is when you look at these people and you look at our lives and their culture, it's very different. And I went into this thinking, oh, they're so different than us. There's not a lot of things in common. And on one of those home visits, I had an aha moment of what we have in common. We were visiting a woman and her children who about a month prior to us being there, her husband had actually passed away. And it was very sad. And Deaconess Donnell was just talking with her and reading scripture and praying with her. And the woman knew enough English that Deaconess Kristen could communicate with her and they could understand each other. And Deaconess Kristen just looked at her with a very sincere face and said, I look forward to meeting your husband one day in heaven. And at that moment, I was just like, this is what we are here for, to share the message of Christ. And that's what these people have in common with us is the joy and the hope of heaven through Christ's death and resurrection. So that was one of the moments that really resonated with me. What did that, uh, how did that shape the, the, your path to becoming a deaconess? How do you think, what does that say about where you put your energy in terms of your studies and, and that formation to become a deaconess? I think it really shows that God has a plan for all of us. And that was in his plan for me to learn what it's like to serve other people. So it's really helped 
me and my perception of how I can serve people through his word. Others that you met, uh, that you met while you were in the Dominican Republic. Oh, a Christian woman um, who is a director of a hospital there. Um, the love of Christ, which she has that she shows in her work, how it has changed the face of um, ministry to those who have disabilities, that with, with Christ we look at another person as one of the least of these in sort of a, a material sense, but that person also has Christ in them. And so when you're an administrator of a hospital or wherever you are, the persons that you're serving with and serving are all little Christs in a, in a way of speaking. And so that changes the way you think about them, how, they, how you treat them, um, how you relate to them. Um, it's not just a human care thing where, oh, they, they should have the dignity of being a human being so you clothe them. But, but out, of, out of love for Christ, we have this shared um, identity that the way it comes out is so the so now instead of treating the residents of a hospital like animals and not clothing them and letting them sleep in their own filth and um, having slimy floors for them to to walk on and um, they're just herded like animals around now everything's clean, they're clothed, they're expected to participate in the life of the institution, and and um, they're treated with the love of Christ and given the message of the love of Christ, too, through our missionaries. I mean, it, it's like going from this dark place to light. It, it was that mm-hmm. sharp of a change, and we got to see after the light happened and heard all the stories about the darkness that had existed in that institution only a year before. And that's been mm. part of the, the work and the ministry um, supported by our LCMS missionaries. So the when the church serves through acts of mercy, it's not just a humanitarian effort. It's not just, a, as you pointed out, an effort um, to care for them simply uh, regarding them as you know, dignity for fellow humans, but bringing truly the love of Christ through these acts of mercy, bringing the word of Christ to to uh, to bear on these acts that are happening to care for these others. Mm-hmm. Anyone else have any other stories, others that you met while you were in the Dominican Republic? One of the tias or aunts for that take care of the teens in Casa Hogar her name was Maya, and she's also a deaconess student at in Santiago. She really went with us at our time in Santiago on all the home visits when we went to worship on Wednesday night and basically everywhere that we went with uh, Mr. Lohmeyer. And really her heart for service and her kindness just shone through in everything she did. We had breakfast at Casa Hogar both mornings, and the way she just loved the the teens and the kids that lived there, and the way she 
met the people and greeted them when we went on home visits. Even though we didn't understand <laughs> what they were saying when she spoke to them in Spanish, you could see just in the way she put her hand on their arm or greeted them that her that the love of Christ was so genuine in her. She really cared for and wanted to serve everyone that she met. And it was truly beautiful. What did you learn about the culture of the people of the Dominican Republic as you visited there? You, I've heard you repeat that the, the hospitality was, was overwhelmingly greater than what you might see in many parts of, of our culture. What else did you learn about the uh, culture of the Dominican Republic? Well, they're also very relaxed. It's a very chill. A lot of it's a lot of people just sit out in front of their house mm -hmm. in their free time and socialize with anyone who would walk by. It's that's part of their hospitality too. Everything was really laid back and oh, say uh, Pastor David Price actually when he was talking about getting church church to start on time. If you say church is starting at 6.30, well, anticipate everyone will maybe be there by 7. Maybe. It's a very relaxed, not... Here in America, everything is so tight and everything needs to start on time and end on time and everyone needs to know everything that's happening. But there, it's really mellow. Yeah. Yeah, it was more about people. Yeah, it was definitely more relaxed and more about people. I really liked how the culture, like if you had an important meeting or something, but you had someone in front of you that you were talking to, like having that conversation would be more important than the meeting. It was really nice to see how people cared for each other that way. So there was an emphasis on face-to-face uh, -face relationships yes. over tight schedules. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Anyone else uh, have something you learned about the culture? Um, the culture is definitely very different from American culture. When you're looking at the country itself, almost half of it is what would be considered in poverty. And so when we were there, the first place we were at was more on the outskirts of the cities. And so the homes to us would just look like shacks. That's what we would consider it in American culture. But to them, those were some of the only physical things that they had. Um, and along with that, it was, you walk everywhere to get places. There's no, well, there's very few paved roads. It's just very different than what we were expecting. And another thing that we found very interesting is when there are people driving, the rules of the road are much different. So if you see a stop sign, it doesn't necessarily mean stop. And our driver, actually, who brought us to our first destination, he kind of had to explain to us that they have their own system that people just know. And we actually thought it was so interesting. Deaconess Kristen actually took a video of it at one point because people just honk and weave in and out. And to us, we were like, oh, my goodness, we're going to die. Like, we're going to get in a car accident. <laughs> there was just no, to us, there was no system. But to them, there was a system. And it was just very unique to see how all of those things we're different from how we live here. Deaconess Kristen? When you enter a room, you greet everybody. 
and everybody greets you. And here in the United States, you walk into a room and, you know, you might be able to just signal a hello with your eyes or something like that at the most, but everybody just sits there. And, you know, there's this, you recognize each person. <laughs> All the time. And that takes effort to get used to. But then it, we got used to it fast. And then you come back to the United States after a week. Where are my hugs? Yeah, like, <laughs> wow, everybody's really just all into themselves, you know, in our little boxes. So so you witnessed what we would, in, in some ways you witnessed what we would, you know, consider poverty. But it sounds like you also saw some things where... Uh, they have abundance or are thriving. How would you describe that, that the areas in which they are thriving or they have abundance? How would you describe that? I think abundance in relationships, abundance in connections. Um, and I think what the missionaries, uh, some of their goals have to do with um, helping people to understand themselves as not just a community, but also as a, a body of Christ and teaching them what it means to be the body of Christ together and what does it look like to be a Christian. Because they're all, most of them, are Christian at least in name as far as Roman Catholic, but they've never seen what that looks like in action and in their relationships. And it's beautiful that they have a culture that already connects them, so that's a value for them already. But understanding it through, through the, the eyes of the church and the body of Christ, that's a new concept to them. What does it look like to actually live out this faith that we have? Who were the? Uh, you mentioned that you met uh, Deaconess Donnell. Who are some of the other missionaries? Did you have a chance to meet some of the other missionaries and? see them in action and, and, and what did you learn about their work as missionaries? Pastor Price made an impression on all of our students, I think, especially when we saw him going into home visits and he and Vicar uh, John Fritz, who will soon be pastor um, there in the north of the Dominican Republic, um, just Going out and seeing them, just whoever you came into contact with, they're offering prayer, they're showing genuine concern for them, loving them, seeing if there's physical needs that needed to be attended to, and just what that looks like to to care for the whole person. They're not there just to throw like communion at them or just <laughs> pray, you know, and then take off. It, like the care for the whole person, the whole family, the whole community, and, and to really just watch that in action. Again, something that's rare privilege to be able to experience here in the States. It's Pastor Preuss, certainly one of the, the missionaries you met. Anyone else? We met Deaconess Gale, who works with some of the Deaconess students in the Santiago area. So like Maya, who we mentioned earlier, who's a Deaconess student, she works with people like that. And the program looks a little different down there than it does up here. So it was kind of interesting for us to compare with the Deaconess students in the Dominican Republic, um, the way we are learning how to be a Deaconess and the way that they're learning how to be a Deaconess and how it's different and how it's also the same. It was really neat. 
So anyone transferring to the Deaconess program in the Dominican Republic after your visit? No? <laughs> it's a long commute. Too long of a commute. What else did you learn um, as you were there and you saw the the, the missionaries and the other servants, uh, the, the, the body of Christ there, um, serving and, and one another and, and being served with the Word of God. How did this trip shape your formation uh, as a future deaconess? How did this shape your, your, your direction of studies? Um, how, did this, uh, how do you think this will, will shape your, your path to becoming a deaconess down the road? Elizabeth? Um, I think it really helps me look beyond just the United States and helps me look at there's so many Christians and Lutherans around the world, and I just want to get to know all of them. They're vital parts of the body of Christ, and we just, a lot of times we don't get the chance to meet people from different cultures or different countries, and this is just a great experience to help me uh, get to know other members um, of the body of Christ and how we can work together. And just, I got a whole new look at that and how compassionate I am for other people. Anyone else? Emily? This trip was the first time I have ever really been immersed in a culture completely different from my own, especially with everyone speaking Spanish. It really made me stop and realize that people are people no matter where you go. No matter what your vocation is, we are all we are all people. We all have the same basic wants and needs. And really it between meeting everyone and between Deaconess Gale's Bible study that focused on the body of Christ, it really showed me that even though I have a vocation to fulfill here and they may have a different vocation to fill down there, we are all united with Christ. They are, especially when we had communion together, it really, everyone down there is my, they are my family. They are my family in Christ. We are all one in Christ. And that was really phenomenal and eye-opening to experience. Very good. Abigail? I really liked how um, uh, Ted Cray was talking to us a little bit while we were down there. We had a conference call with him, and he was talking about how the churches serve the communities. You know, they're really serving the people from cradle to grave and really outreaching into the community with um, their resources. And I feel like sometimes we lose that mission-minded aspect in the United States in our congregations. And I feel like no matter where I'm serving, that's something I want to incorporate, just that we're here to serve the community. We're here to outreach to the community. And this church is a part of the community. So, Excellent. Anyone else? Deaconess Kristen, how does this... Uh, how does this program or this uh, how does this fit into deaconess studies give us an overview of uh the this process this formation of becoming a deaconess and what that education looks like what that formation looks like and where does this fit in well the educational 
um, design is for four years of an undergraduate degree plus a year of internship. If a student would choose to do an internship in a mission setting, it would be a two-year internship because so much time is taken up with language mm-hmm. and culture acquisition to uh, before you can really serve. But um, during students' junior and senior years, they do uh, field work in an area institution or congregation to get some of that hands-on experience and just be exposed. But as well now with our um, newer curriculum, there's also um, observation hours required and um, uh, service hours required. This didn't fit into any of those categories, really. (laughs) But uh, I think it's important during, um, especially for church workers, during their time in education, while they're not usually quite as tied down um, to... Um, having to stay at home or being a mom or, you know, uh, additional responsibilities that they get to really have their minds blown by by new experiences, things that really change the trajectory of their education. And I was excited for these women who had just completed either freshman or sophomore year to be able to go on a trip like this because it does change things. Suddenly now studying Spanish for Elizabeth takes on more meaning because, oh, you know, these aren't just nebulous people out here. These are people I can communicate with better or with ASL or, you know, I uh, want to be better at this over to the left here because that means I can maybe use that on a mission field someday because one of the learnings that they got was that a mission field is is comprised of so many different kind of people with so many different gifts that it's not just cookie cutter, oh, uh, you know, you just need pastors, deaconesses, teachers, DCEs on a mission field and that's it. But so many gifts and talents are welcomed and needed to... Uh, to run a mission. Servants serve in a variety of contexts. Mm-hmm. And so the more opportunities you have to learn, the more variety of opportunities in which you have to learn uh, that that can prepare you for a variety of contexts mm-hmm. in which you might serve. Uh, what a unique experience. And I'm so glad that you got to do that and that you're sharing it with us today too. That's so nice of you to come share your story with us today. Uh, any other words about your trip to the Dominican Republic um, and the the opportunity you had to uh, you got to go study or well to to go and learn right out in the field. Uh, any other words uh, about the trip or um, if someone if students in the oppor- have the opportunity in the future to do that, what would be your your advice to them if they're thinking, uh, I don't know if I can uh, get off of this plane and <laughs> and the bugs <laughs> and the <Yeah>. bugs. <laughs> I think anyone can do it. You know, missionaries, we think about it as kind of romantic. They're not superheroes. Um, they, they're people like us that are just interacting, performing ministry, doing their jobs. And the people that you serve in other countries aren't really too different from the people that you would serve here. You know, everybody has the same basic human needs and um, everyone has the desire and thirst for Christ. So um, it's very similar. If someone was going to 
learn or study in the Dominican Republic like we did, I would say don't hesitate to try new things. We tried so much, so many different kinds of food, and we we tried so many different experiences that we never would have a chance to do in the United States, and all of them were just so eye-opening and um, beneficial. Don't, don't hesitate to try. When I um, look at a student and um, have ideas of maybe how the Lord might use them or work in them. I, I'm always humbled by how the Lord actually does and how he changes paths and attitudes um, for service. And, you know, as you know, one of our, our themes is, uh, as uh, a deaconess is to be serv- a servant and available and willing to do anything and go anywhere the Lord puts in front of us to get messy, to get dirty, to be where there's ugliness and, and hatred and all the yuckiness of of the struggle of life. And being exposed to this um, mission trip and uh, the learnings from the missionaries there causes each one of these women to look at their own own selves, realize their own sinfulness and our dependency on the Lord to um, provide that that mercy and the attitude of service and love for people that maybe in our inside on our own, we would not particularly want to love them or touch them or be in a icky environment. But... Um, I think he's really used this to spark that heart of service and to grow that willingness to serve that is so important in the deaconess vocation. So with Christ, you can get over your fear of bugs. (laughs) Doesn't mean she has to like them, right? I hate bugs more than anything. They're my number one fear. And I survived this trip and had the best time. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. (laughs) To, uh, to all of you today, to all of the Deaconess students at Concordia University Chicago, thank you so much for being my guest today. Deaconess Kristen Wasilik, thank you so much for bringing your students to share their stories with us and uh, for uh, all that you do to help our, our future Deaconesses uh, learn and grow in this process of formation. Thank you very much. It's an honor and a privilege. Coming up next, Thy Strong Word, right here on The Messenger of Good News Worldwide, KFUO. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.